on mypodcasthouse.com, you're listening to On The Grid with Tony Shebecki. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode here of On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. Thank you for joining us also on iTunes or whatever you might be listening to us on. Got to cover off a few things today. Braxy uh, will join us in just a tick. We'll talk everything two wheels and what a great MotoGP race it was on the weekend. But first of all, let's have a chat to Richard Crail and find out what his thoughts were on Bathurst. Yeah, no, when the whistle go. And Crowley joins us on the line now. G'day, Crowley, how are you? Yeah, good, mate. And you? I'm excellent, thank you. He's a little bit worn out. It's always a busy four days at Bathurst, early starts and, and late finishes. And the like, but gee, it was a, a worthwhile four days. There was some fantastic competition, not just at the supercar level, but all the way down through the support categories as well. Yeah, terrific week, wasn't it? And and it really is a, a full week by the time you you get there, and then by the time you depart at the end of it all. Um, yeah, one of those one of those amazing weeks. That is always special, but this year felt like it had something just a little bit more with the. The, the stuff going around about Craig Lowndes and, and his final Bathurst as a full-time driver. And I thought that was kind of funny because it's been very well publicised that he's going to be back for at least another two or three years, probably more. Mm. Um, but anyway, there was something about that. The, the intensity of the competition within the field this year, the, the swing of the championship towards the Red Bull Holden Racing Team, um, everything around it has just just conspired to make it feel like a massive week. And then we had that really weird build-up where Thursday and Friday were, were kind of strange days because of the rain, and it felt like it took a while to get into it. But then it all just exploded, and, and we had two incredible days on Saturday and Sunday, an amazing shootout, and then a really great, great race that we'll be talking about for some time, like we do for every year. Uh, exactly. Well, let's focus on those two things you just mentioned. First of all, a minute or so on the shootout. What drama and... and thrill that was for young Anton Di Pasquale and Will Brown and the yeah. the shot of them in the garage after every driver had gone through and the nervous look of anticipation are we going to get it are we going to get it it was just beautiful stuff yeah I think it's one of the best hours in Aussie sport yeah. you know just just with the, the, the theatre around it all it's so theatrical and that was one of the geniuses when they came up to do that in the late 70s came up with the idea to run the shootout um, I don't think even they understood the kind of theatre behind that one lap at that that place. Um, it was great, and, and Deepa Squally's lap was was brilliant. And and I'm not sure we'll ever know the circumstances that led to that. And w- we know that the Erebus cars were really fast, but we saw that the sun dip behind the cloud moments after he completed his lap. So we don't know if that played a role in changing the track conditions enough until those final few real fast guys came out and, and toppled him but it was a terrific laugh it's certainly one that Anton will remember for the rest of his life um, and it set up this really dramatic few minutes where we saw some of the biggest names in the sport get knocked off by a rookie and it, and it took some pretty mighty laps from his own teammate and then Jamie Winkup to uh, to hustling down to the second row of the grid Yeah, it certainly did there's no doubting that and then we come to Sunday and race day and it was one of those races the last few years have sort of had the first 80 to 90 laps nothing really happened we haven't had safety cars we've been devoid of all that this year though there just seemed to be a couple of things happen in those first 90 or so laps it just started to set up what we felt was going to be an amazing finish to the race yeah it was a different style of Bathurst to what we've seen for the last couple of years and I've seen some comments online and you know you don't want to take too much credence into what idiots are saying on social media but 
um, it was very different feeling to the race, and some were going, oh, we're disappointed because it didn't have that thrilling, you know, last 10-lap shootout at the end. Um, but what it had was a level of intensity throughout the 161 laps that we haven't seen for some time. And um, especially the last 60 laps of the race were were ridiculous in the way that yeah. they were punching out low two-minute sixes. And it was Scott McLaughlin who said in the press conference afterwards that that was some of the most intense racing he's ever had because driving the cars as fast as they've ever gone around Mount Panorama to try and keep up. And, um, and it was tiring. It was physical. It was hard work. And it was just so intense, and the pressure was enormous. So I, I love that about it. I love that we only had three safety cars for six laps. I love that it was the fastest ever great race yeah. because it, it was just the complete antithesis of what we've seen for the last three or four years in particular. Um, so all that worked brilliantly. And then the compelling storyline, again, in the final 30 minutes, when for a while there it looked like Erebus had that thing shot to pieces um, they had the fastest car. Their drivers did a superb job. Strategy was on point. They were going to blaze through and win the race. And then you have this remarkable storyline of Davey Reynolds and cramping up and, and all the issues around that, that, um, yeah, it just, it just made for, for pretty amazing viewing in the end, didn't it? And, um, and then obviously the fairy tale story that you just could not script, uh, in a thousand years of having Craig Lowndes and Stephen Richards win mm. the race with all that stuff we talked about around CL coming into the weekend and he goes and wins number seven, Richo gets number five and, and it's, you know, the place was in meltdown for the last five laps as, as they, uh, they built towards getting the ticket flag. And the amazing stat on that is seven and five for each of them respectively. They've been involved in 10 wins over the past 22 Bathursts. Yeah. So between yeah, two yeah. of them, that's 50% of the Bathursts they've been, they've had a hand in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and not since Brock between 75 and 85 have we seen that level of, of domination. Yeah. So Brock, Brock won eight of his nine, um, or seven, or seven of his nine really in that, that 10 year stint. Yeah. So we've seen a similar sort of domination from those two drivers and with different co-drivers as well. So yes, Craig's correct. won two with, two with Richo. He's won one with Scapey. Of course, a couple with Jamie Winkup before that and, uh, way back to Murph in 96. So, yeah, it's a remarkable period. It, it establishes them as, I mean, Craig, we all, always knew was going to be one of the all-time all time greats at that place. But I think Stephen Richards' role primarily as a co-driver out of the out of the pair in, in all of his five wins, but cannot be underestimated the job that he has to do. And I, I reckon Richo's driven better this year than he mm. ever has. And at Sandown, his performance was very underrated. But I thought his his early stint when they had that five car battle for the lead, um, I reckon that was a really really impressive drive. And uh, you know, it's pretty clear that he won't be a triple eight next Enduro season. But you'd be utterly mad to not sign Stephen Richards to co-drive for you in next year's Pertec Enduro Cup because he's still very very good and so experienced. Did I have the audacity to question his age three or four weeks ago before Sandown? Did you? Mm, I, well, I think I did when we were talking about the endurance, and I said, oh, "Steve Richards, does his age come into the into in no, the factor?" And I reckon I shut you down. Yeah, um, oh, you did. No, that's what I'm saying. Did I have the audacity to yeah, say that? Yeah, yeah. Well, let's pretend that never happened. <laughs> oh, well, but and Lounsey addressed that to an extent too, because obviously questions about his age also, and he said, yeah. "Age doesn't matter at this place. It's and yeah. not even experience. If you've got a fast car, you, yeah. you you'll win." Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. And and if you can manage the race well, 
you'll win too. Yeah. Uh, and and that's that's the experience factor. And, and you know, and that that's the difference between Triple Eight and Erebus on the weekend, and that's why Erebus lost the race. Um, and let's get one thing straight: they lost that race because yes. they they were in the best position to win it, and had it stayed green all the way, and had David Reynolds remained healthy, there's a very very high percentage chance that they would have won that motor race. But they would have still been a shot to win it if they made the call to pull Dave out of the car. And I think it's just an experience on their behalf that they they didn't make that tough decision. They didn't go, all right, Dave, you clearly we need to get you yeah, out correct. and put Luke Gilden in. Um, whereas if if that was a car being run by Roland Dane, do you think Roland would have hesitated on that? I don't. I think Roland would have, would have gone... Would have pulled out the driver out himself. Exactly right. Yeah. Get out of the car now. The result comes first. I think Erebus, they, they're still a young team. They're making incredible headway, but that's probably the difference between them and a Triple Eight at the moment. So, but they'll get there. And and Barry Ryan was very open and very honest about it on a, a very good Facebook post uh, on Monday after the race, talking about exactly that, saying mm. we made we should have made a call, we didn't. That's the way it goes. Um, but I I think even though they didn't get a result, the fact that we're even talking about the fact that they could have or should have yeah, won that race is, is amazing. Is amazing because yeah, no, five right. years ago you wouldn't be saying that, would you? Now you reckon you, people say winning back-to-back premierships in an AFL season is tough. Mm. Winning back-to-back Bathursts just as tough, if oh, not tougher. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, absolutely. Yeah, it's um, it's an enormous challenge, and and that's why it's been done, especially in the modern era where it's it's so competitive, mm. and there's so many good cars. You know, there were seven cars that whole day yesterday that could have won that race, yeah. and um. Yeah, so to be able to to even be in contention year on year is remarkable. And the Erebus story continues to be one of the great stories in supercars over the last five years and the way that they've turned that team around. From it, They were a laughing stock at one point in this championship, yeah. and they are now serious week-in, week-out contenders uh, and, and almost won the great race again. So, yeah, fantastic story. And to use a great quote as well, uh, it's a matter of inches, isn't it? Uh, you are literally... At that track, especially when you come through places like Skyline and the S's, and and you're literally mm. an inch away from hitting a concrete wall, mm. and and that's why the the Craig Lance comment about experience continues to hold strong because yeah. uh, that experience of avoiding those concrete walls is something that Lounsey and Richo have got in spades, and some others might not have, um, and that's just all part of it. So yeah, very true. Oh, I thought it was, I, I thought it was a great race. It was. I really, yeah, I really did. did. Yeah. I, I I loved the emotion around the end of it. Um, it was it was impossible to not get drawn in to that storyline and and the way the crowd reacted when Craig was was building towards uh, that finish. The, la- the last time I can remember a crowd reaction like that at Bathurst was for Craig Lowndes when he won the first Peter Brock Trophy. Yeah, oh six. Yep. Yeah, yep, that's fair. That's uh, I, fair. I reckon the noise was about the same then as it was on Sunday. Yeah, I think the the battle at the end of 07 with uh, with Stevie J getting the lead from Craig and then Craig getting back in front was was up there. I distinctly remember that putting yeah. my hands on the back of my neck. But yeah, the yeah yeah it was it was fantastic. And that podium that was the loudest I've ever heard that podium. Without a doubt. Um, and shouting one more year, one more year. I thought yeah. that was brilliant. Connie no. Mini doing shoey as well. So. Great. Beautiful stuff. Uh, quick minute or two on other categories. Uh, Touring Car Masters, uh, pretty good racing there. Yeah, it was decent uh, and good good racing between Stephen Johnson and John Bow, as you would always expect. And going into the final round of the championship, JB remains a, 
a chance at winning the championship, but to be fair, it's probably uh, Stevie J's to lose, so that was good. Um, we should talk Pereira Cup. I actually only just rewatched the uh, Enduro Cup race on Friday mm. afternoon, which stands as one of the more dramatic Pereira Cup races I think we've ever seen. Uh, that championship is incredible, and even though Jackson Evans now has a very healthy lead going into the final round on the Gold Coast, it was... Uh, a great weekend of racing, three winners from three races. Um, the round result came down to a count back. It went the way of the young rookie superstar for Sonic, who otherwise had a shocking weekend. Uh, Evans extended his championship lead. Like the, the list of stories goes on for Carrera Cup, and their Gold Coast finale is going to be something else. Certainly will be. It always is. Quasi, always great to catch up with you, mate. Thanks for... Uh, it, love doing those podcasts with you uh, over Bathurst, and hopefully we can do more of those uh, at different race meetings uh, around the place. I hope so, too. What a great race, and uh, let's let's go back to Bathurst next week, can we? Because uh, I could do that all over again. Hourly Indy 500 updates one year, maybe. Oh, <laughs> If we're there, now we're, now we're talking. <laughs> All right, buddy. Talk soon. See you, mate. Cheers. Richard Crowell joining us here on The Grid. This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. All right, time to talk everything two wheels, and we do that with our good mate Mark Brax, who joins us on the line. G'day, Braxy. G'day, Shabix. How are you? This is uh, well, not so fine day. No, no, it's a little bit rainy today down here in Melbourne, but regardless of that, it rained just superlatives up there in Thailand. Uh, first of all, it, just the, the great words that were coming out about the track and how much everyone loved it. And secondly, one of the most amazing races, a race for the ages. Yeah, and it's, well, it's funny how the before the race actually started, they were, uh, the, well, the commentators were going on about it's a one-line track and it's heavy braking and it, you know, it might be just a very difficult to pass. But, man, in all three races, um, well, I had an idea that after watching Superbikes there that it'd be pretty exciting because of the late braking. Um, it's got a bit of everything. The um, Chang circuit up there at Bury Run, uh, north it's about four hours northwest of um, Bangkok. If you get a good drive, yeah. I suppose it could take three days. Otherwise, um, but yeah, what a great event! And uh, Mark Keith come through on one of the one of the races for the ages, and with Davisioso uh, Rossi in there leading the race for what good fifty percent of the hour. Event before the um, tyres started to let go on him, but he put up a good battle to finish fourth behind his teammate, who, who both took it to the wire. But those last few laps, when they were just all out um, carving each other up senselessly, and, and I think um, Vignales and Rossi might have been thinking, "Well, hang on, we just sit here, we might get first and second with the way this is going. They're going to take each other out because Marquez and Davicioso did touch a couple of times in close proximity." But it was all fear and love and war because they got off the bikes and parked firm and big smiles and embraces and hugs just to confirm to people that they were out there having a lot of fun doing it. Their version of fun is a little more, little more fraught than what our version of fun is, but uh, certainly adds to the entertainment value. And, uh, well, I know Marquez won in fine style just by, what was it, a tenth of a second from Divisioso with Vignali's there. All three of them, I think, were about oh, a few tenths of a second apart, and Rossi just overcooking the... Uh, last corner to drop about a second off the pace but Marquez goes on a march to another world championship mate 77 points now with four races left yeah it's uh, going to be tough uh, one would think that it's probably not going to happen in the next race because obviously Divisioso would probably have to not finish and well we hope that doesn't happen it looks like it could be all wrapped up uh, at Phillip Island for him 
Yeah, Phillip Island looks like another one. He's done that before in the past there. And it looks like he could do it with a couple of races in hand. With the, After that, they've got to return to Malaysia in the final round of Valencia before the season starts. But, you know, just going back to that race on the weekend, mate, all through the race I was just thinking, what if Lorenzo was fit? And what was he thrown into that equation of um, bouncing around and doing having their fun? That would have been... It was the only thing missing, and I feel sorry for Lorenzo that... Uh, he missed that race because of an injury he suffered. Well, compounding the injuries he suffered at Aragon the week before, then um, adding a few more to the, yeah. the case will be the injury list of him, um, where he forced out with a, a horrific high side in, I think it was free practice two on Friday afternoon. Um, no fault of his own. Uh, the onboard footage clearly demonstrates it's audible. The engine just stops on him and it's just basically seized up, kicked the bike sideways. And he impersonated a um, space shuttle for a couple of seconds and got belted by the bike on the way into the yeah. kitty there again. So, unfortunately for the uh, three-times MotoGP champion, Lorenzo, he wasn't able to take part in it this weekend and uh, or last weekend and uh, discussion the better part of Valor, I suppose, thinking, well, what am I going to lose? What am I going to gain here? I've got everything to lose. I'll just recoup. And uh, there's a couple of week gap between now and Japan before they get everything out of Thailand and over there. So, at least he'd be in fine form there hopefully to um, well, add to that little bit more of an ingredient into that recipe that was a great race. Yeah it certainly was uh, what about Moto 2 and 3 mate? Moto 2 and 3 well that's starting to um, take on a bit of an air of uh, uh, what would you call it inevitability as well with Moto 2 category you know they're getting close to their last race of the year but back Naya uh, winning that one again, Elwood, well, not too big a gap, it was a, but that was another racy car, and you beat uh, uh, Louis Mar- Martin, uh, Marini, pardon me, by uh, a couple of tenths of a second in the long run after that race was finished, uh, 1.5 or something it was, but um, those two were battling with the two KDMs of uh, Ladera and Binder, who looked like they were set to take out the... Uh, the race, but uh, Bagnaya uh, certainly took a chat, um, lead on that one, and now he's leading the championship by 28 points over Miguel Oliveira, so that's going to go right to the wire. I think Brad Binder's in a distant third spot, uh, yep. Oliveira's teammate on the KDM, but um, I think Bagnaya, uh, and he's moving up into the uh, MotoGP category next year, so it be nice to see him take a championship under his belt. It's there, and then the Moto, th- I must say, Remy Gardner finishing 12, so he's getting a level of consistency where he's had a few top 10 finishes and knocking on the door of a top 10 finish every race. Excellent. And in the Moto 3, it was absolute. Another typical Moto3 race. I think after Field crashed out at a couple of corners, not in at various times during the race, but um, DG Antonio won that one, and he's taking a um, good good swag of points for that race as well. Uh, and to see what happens with that might go down to the wire as well. But uh, the leader of that one at the moment, um, Jorge Martin, he's got 26 points over um, Bersicci. And G. Antonio there in third spot, 29 points behind. So that's going to go right to the wire, as we'd expect with Moto3. But, uh, yeah, they reconvene in Japan in a couple of weeks' time. Another daylight uh, viewing for us down here in Aussie land. Beautiful. I don't know if I like the daylight <laughs> viewing, mate. I'd rather at night so you can still go out and do stuff well, instead just, of being a... 
<laughs> it's just tough when you've got other categories over here in Australia. Like we had Bathurst on Sunday, and at the same time as Bathurst, Formula One was going on, and then all yep. of a sudden, as soon as Bathurst finished, MotoGP starts, but there was so much still happening with the Lounds win that I didn't get oh, to see any yeah. of it. Yeah, well, it was one of those days, and uh, good to see two bike riders get up and win Bathurst. So I thought I'd throw that one yeah, in. The Lounds is a fantastic, loves it, doesn't he? Oh, Leonzi and Richo, they're both, I've seen them both share a track with them at different times you know, over the years, and they certainly know how to ride a bike just as well as they drive a car. And uh, couldn't have been more fitting, I reckon, from a, from a two wheel perspective to see those two guys up. Two of the nicest guys in the Tin Car Paddington. Yeah. Sure, you'll agree with Shebeck. Oh, no and, doubt. Um, and Brocky would have been smiling from above because I think it was rather fitting that uh, Leonzi wins it for Holden in the last years of the traditional. Uh, Holden versus Falcon battles, and uh, couldn't have been more, you know. That was great to see, but anyway. Yeah, certainly was. Hey, uh, just a couple of other quick things, Braxy. Superbikes, first of all, World Superbikes make their way to Argentina for the first time. Yeah, exactly. Brand new circuit the MotoGP hasn't even been on to. Um, our uh, championship winner, again, four times in a row, Johnny Ray heads down there. Uh, Troy, well, he's equaled Troy Bayless's successive wins that he'd, uh, Bayless did in 2006 on his way to a title. And, uh, Johnny Ray, I'll be, uh, keen to extend that one to take out the overall, to take the record there. As, uh, Bayless said down the other day, put me out of my misery, will you please, mate? <laughs> um, but, uh, he's, well, you know, I think it's going to be a quite a good, uh, leveler for everybody. He's never been there before, so he's got to, um, set the bike up. And try and get the most of it, but you know it's the inevitable. Isn't it? You think no matter what they're racing on, Johnny Ray's going to come to the top, and that's his second last round for the year. And he's just released his autobiography, okay. uh, which should be interesting reading. It was re- uh, uh, released in England in London uh, at a BBC function during the week, so it'll be interesting to see that book get down here as well. It should be some interesting reading because knowing Jr. I don't think he'll be holding too many punches back when uh, he comes to uh, naming names and on his rise to the top and why he didn't get to the Moto GP the way he wanted to as well. And in the meantime, just finally, mate, I know you're a busy boy. Are you right? We've got the final round of the Aussie Superbikes coming up this weekend at Phillip Island two weeks before the GP convenes down here as well. Yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, and then, of course, the uh, Superbike boys come back two weeks later, as you said, for the MotoGP, and uh, they'll, uh, of course, do their uh, their support category there, which is always fantastic to watch all the Aussies uh, getting behind their local product. Yeah, with all the classes, Super Sports 300, and I think the R3 Cup and Super Sports. So there's uh, a good... Uh, and also at uh, Philip Island this weekend, we've got the Historics making a comeback for their one-off challenge as well. So it'll be good to see... The old uh, the dungers out there, the very rapid and very well-prepared dungers out there having a bit of a go as well. But uh, fine weather down here, so anybody in Melbourne that's looking for a bit of uh, motorsport adrenaline rush this weekend, come down to Phillip Island because it will be, uh, well, we might have had a couple of championships decided, but I think that's only going to add to the spectacle where those guys got nothing to lose and uh, go out and have a bit of fun. Good on you, Braxy. Enjoy your uh, your home round this weekend at Phillip Island. <laughs> you can sleep in no your own bed that. for a change. And uh, we'll catch you Cheers, soon, mate. mate. Thank you, Bye-bye. Mark Brax talking two wheels here on the grid. Well, that wraps up another episode of On the Grid, and we'll be back again next week with a bit of a preview for what should be a fantastic Gold Coast Supercars event, the final round of the Pertec Endurance Cup. And also we'll talk to Braxy and we'll wrap up the Australian Superbike Series as well. And we'll have a chat to Steve Munro and find out what happened at the Supercross this weekend 
in Geelong. All that to come right here on The Grid. We'll catch you next time. Till then.